This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers and navigating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Pedro Phillips and with me is Jim Daly. <laughs> Jim Daly. Sound like I'm a sort of a boxer being announced into the ring. Yeah, or like Bullseye um, in one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bullseye was a, was a good show, wasn't it? It was uh, Yeah. Fun. Uh, there was a, I, I shared a, a clip the other day um, on uh, it was like a classic bullseye. You know that when they win the big prize at the end, you know sometimes they they speed give boat. like a rope a speedboat to someone in like Yorkshire. Um, it was a similar thing, but it, uh, it was uh, it was like top fashions of the day. You you can go to M and S and get all the new top fashions for you and your family, and it was all like these kind of. <laughs> it was like you could spend like a thousand pounds on new fashions, and there was these two guys in kind of darts shirts, you know, <laughs> like oh, like really baggy, baggy. Fuck's sake! I was hoping we'd get the caravan, you know. Um, yeah, it was quite funny, but yeah, classic. I mean, I think they should bring it back and keep those kind of prizes, <laughs> and the fashion as well. Who would host it now, though? Who is, who's a, I suppose you'd have to have like Peter Kay or something. Who would be the equivalent? Northern, Northern. Jason Minion. Manford. John Bishop. Jason Manford. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great shout. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm Not good. to stereotype those. It could be, you know, it doesn't, you know, darts players. There are darts players in the South as well. Yeah, but it felt like a Northern show. I think, mm. I think that's okay. It's yeah. like a very northerny sort of thing. Um, but that's fine. How how are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I, I'm very well, thank you, mate. And, well, I've got a bit of a headache, but apart from that, I'm, I'm okay. Um, been drinking a lot of water, which maybe need, need the toilet. Mm. Anyway, apart from that, I'm good. I'm excited about this week's episode. We've got Katarina Robinson on, who is a fantastic comedian and actor, um, social media content creator. She's absolutely lovely. So it's been a, been a really, really nice chat with her. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to sharing that episode. 
Yeah, we talked about all sorts, didn't we? It was really, really fascinating. I obviously talked about content creation and how that, you know, how that's different now from, you know, when we, we probably started out in our various different um, things, like, you know, obviously being in a band years ago and you, you starting out in comedy, it's obviously evolved and changed now. And we're putting content out um, into the public sphere as soon as we've kind of created it. So it's, it's an interesting thing. But yeah, I mean, she's prolific stand-up and does lots of shows with her comedy partner Kat Ronson so the the two KRs and uh, yeah they've they've got some really good shows coming up the Whoring 20s is their show that they do as a a duo and um yeah they've been doing some big gigs in London and yeah she's just doing really well so it's really lovely to talk to her I've been trying to sort it out for ages and she's just a really lovely person so it's great to have her on yeah we've we've timed it we've timed it not great because their show is uh this weekend um of a at time of recording but time the pod comes out it will have gone so we either need to record it though like weeks before so we can promote it or afterwards we could ask how it went and we've sort of like done it in that little sort of purgatory window unfortunately but i'm sure it went great and uh if you went along to it then do uh tweet us or tweet her let's know uh what you thought um i'm sure they'll be doing lots more more. we'll put her yeah exactly exactly so we'll put her social media handles and stuff in the in in the uh show notes you can follow her and um I mean, she's only she's someone definitely worth following online because she's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as well. So you definitely want to sort of jump on board now. Um, speaking of shows, am I okay to promote a couple of live shows as well, Giles? While we're sort of talking no. about shows and <laughs> okay. yes, of course. Well, uh, thank you very much. So I've got um, if anyone lives near Oxford, if you're Oxford based, I'm doing the Oxford Comedy Festival on Friday, July the twenty second at the James Street Tavern at seven thirty p.m. Tickets are eight quid and you can get them from oxfordcomedyfestival.co.uk. Uh, very much looking forward to that. I've not done that before, but it looks like a, a lovely festival. So if you are local, then please do please do come along. Uh, and then I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe. So if anyone is heading up to Edinburgh in the month of August, I'm there for the entire month from the 4th till the 28th, although I'm having a few days off in the middle uh, to go to my brother's wedding in Ireland, uh, which is very well timed Seb thanks for that um but if you are heading up to the fringe please do come and see me I'm at 4 30 every day at the grass market center um in uh just a just a tonic grass market center um yeah our show it's called Jim Daily Football and Fatherhood and please do come along I've been doing a lot of previews of it recently and people seem to be enjoying it which is lovely so uh yeah if you're around for either of those Oxford or Edinburgh please do come along. It'd be lovely to see you and um, come and say hi after the show as well. So that's it. Giles, my admin's done. That's fantastic. Yeah, there's a great show. I went and saw it recently in Brighton. It was really, really lovely. And Jim, you look like you're having Thank a lovely you. time too. <laughs> There's a reference to something that comes up in the pod in a minute, but uh, I do. I really enjoy performing it. It's a fun show to do. It's not a, it's not a political show. Like It's not a ranting and raving show. It's a, it's a sort of, light-hearted sweet gentle comedy show about being a dad and football and it's very silly and hopefully i'm hoping that means it's quite sort of accessible and people seem to just be enjoying a sort of a very gentle hour hours comedy so um if, if you're someone that likes that kind of comedy then then please do come along because it's um yeah it's quite a sweet show as well you know it's a show about firstly being a dad so there's a lot of myself in there and um i i do enjoy performing it and i hope that comes across as well uh, two of the audiences but so far they've all been incredibly sweet and lovely and mm. yeah so i appreciate everyone's come so far especially you, you've been twice which, which i think makes you some sort of like special sort of gold member mm. somehow you need some sort of reward or something which i'll i'll i'll, I'll 
I'll work something out. I'll get you. Yeah, I was some sort of loyalty card, you know. So get you a loyalty card. Yeah. Yeah. So like tenth gig free or something. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Third. Third gig. (laughs) All right. Third. Come to Edinburgh and then. Yeah. (laughs) Even though that'd be incredibly expensive to go to. Um. But anyway, yeah. So that's enough of me talking about my gigs. I think we should. Well, we'll get we'll get onto Cat's episode before we do that. Shall we? Shall we read out a tweet? You've got a tweet, haven't you? You've got a lovely tweet. Really nice tweet here. So it's from uh, Chatterley Natalie, which is a great name, at Chatty Natty X. Um, she's put, this last week was gruelling and I was ready to jack it all in, set, sell up and hit the road in a camper van. It would have been easy to knee jerk, but I didn't. I slept on it a lot and I found my equilibrium. My hashtag blank moment has passed and I have clarity. All thanks to stopping, going back to the topics covered in a lot of the episodes of Blank Pod that I've listened to. And remembering even the most successful people have blank moments. Mine was a lack of clear vision, no direction, and imposter syndrome. Lots of things that come from the podcast. Um, whatever you do, no matter how tough it seems, keep going. That's such a lovely, really lovely tweet. It, I mean, it, it absolutely just resonates with everything we talk about on the pod. And it's so lovely to hear that we've helped in some small way and our, our guests have helped. And um, yeah, thank you, Natalie, for, for sending us that because that, uh, that really touched me. Yeah, it means a lot. That was a lovely message. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased that, you know, some of the things that we talk about on these podcasts really resonated with you and that, um, yeah, and that has helped you with what you're going through at the moment. So, yeah, and hope you're okay. And um, do keep in touch with us. We'd like to hear from you more. Definitely. Um, And you can keep in touch with us by by, uh, Twitter, as Natalie has, or Instagram and Facebook. And our handle on all three is at blank pod. Indeed. Uh, but anyway, let's should we crack on with the episode? I think we should. Uh, so this is the fantastic Katarina Robinson on the Blank Podcast. And Edinburgh is relentless, I think. I've never done a full run before. I've only ever done like half runs. And mm. I mean, that was kind of enough, to be honest. So... I don't know what this is going to be like. And that was with other people. This is the first time on my own, um, which is probably going to add another level of sort of challenge to it. Mm. Um, but I've I've tried this year to like put more effort into marketing. So I've bought a couple of, I've bought one like giant poster down in Bristow Square and I've bought some like rail posters and stuff in the hopes that that translates maybe into a bit of sort of, traffic into the show or at least gives people the feeling that like you're proper oh, this guy this guy knows what he's doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> he looks good yeah yeah he's got a poster he must be good <laughs> exactly. yeah. but i do i do i genuinely think there is an element of of that sometimes that it is a bit sort of smoke and mirrors and it's just creating like yeah. a buzz and an image yeah and a hype. yeah mm. yeah which i've never been good at doing so i don't know whether that'll work this year or not because otherwise it's just flyering and flyering is just like completely soul destroying do you so, pay people to do that for you though do they have like flyers you, yeah. you can you can pay people to do it yeah but i mean it is yeah it's not that fun doing it yourself <laughs> also i guess with, with the paying people like you there's the risk of like walking past a bin and seeing all your flyers in it um yeah they pretty, so <laughs> they pretty i was gonna say there's a lot of trust there isn't there well i used to do flyering like for like, okay so for, like, you used bar, to put it in. For, for like bar for like bars and things like that i used to go hide in a coffee shop and hope they never find me <laughs> yeah, <and> exactly 
they'd be like, I'm fine. Yeah. There's a massive stack of flyers in the coffee shop on the side. Yeah, that was a really prominent place to put them. I thought it was great. When uh, yeah, there's just so much foot traffic in this one cafe, yeah. really just like so target. When I went up in 2019, so I did a football show with my mate Dave, who I do a lot of stuff with, and uh, we only did a 10, 10 day run, so I got to go home early. But he did the whole run on his own, this solo show, and he was playing flyers. And one day, I think it was like it was on a, it was 2019. I think it was a particularly wet year. It felt like it rained every day I was there, and I think it was one mm. day. He was just like walking by, just, just like see how the flyers are doing and stuff. And he saw one of them literally just put a whole lot in the bin. He like w- witnessed it. Oh, and he was like, oh, and, and your pet. I mean, to be fair, they don't. Well, it's flyers, probably not like loads of money, but I was just thinking. Flyers yeah. don't get paid enough. They do not like get paid enough really for what they do. But the going rate is like £10 mm. an hour. Now, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, really, it should be more than, than that. But um, yeah, I think that was quite a soul destroying moment for Dave. Although t- he, he had quite a good year. Um, he did a show called Crazy Cat Laddie, and uh, he, on his post again, he had a couple of posters down on Potter Row. Like this is why I've done it because he had a, a big one, and um, he pretty much was packed out most. He was Globe Bar down on um, Nidri Street, so it's quite good location, um, mm. and he was packed out most days. And every day he had people coming in with like cat T-shirts on or like big cat fans. So even though the show wasn't really about cat, he liked putting photos of his cat. <laughs> ah, so that is good marketing. Just but it was about... really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so on his poster, he had like a sort of lint, you know, the lint thing that you have for like cat fur and stuff. And so he mm. made it like, so that was really interesting. Again, I, I learned a lot that year. I was like, oh, okay. So if, if you're really clever with your marketing, I think he did it, that was almost by accident. But if you do sort of like hit a little niche, look professional, you can, you can get people to your show um mm. if you're not someone that has like loads of credits or, or quotes or, or yeah. reviews and stuff which like most of us aren't if you're not on a tv name if you're a tv name it's probably a piece of piss but if you're anyone the rest of us Unknown, then yeah. play, mm. playing the game mm. this is all good content we should have recorded all this um <laughs> I'm going to hit record on the thing. We don't redo intros. We do them okay. afterwards, if that's all right with you, Kat. And we're just... Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We're just... Recording um, in progress. Dive um, in. You start, Giles. I'll just try and sort out my audio as well. Um, it's being a bit funny. Okay. I know. It, it should be working. Input device. It's saying... Hang on. It's saying no input. You, you just keep chatting. Well, I can hear I'll, you. I'll, so I'll, I'll work it out. You sound clear, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, good. Oh, okay, cool. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to record it on Logic. Um, well, Katarina, okay. thank you so much for being on the pod. We really appreciate you coming on, um, especially on what is actually a bank holiday on a Thursday, which is always a bit weird. Um, mm. Are you doing much for this, this Jubilee? Because it's Jubilee what? weekend. <laughs> I mean, I've got my show on tomorrow at Leicester Square Theatre, which I'm super nervous about, but excited at the same time. So that's kind of my Jubilee plans is the show. And then I'm definitely going to be having lots of drinks afterwards and <laughs> chilling out. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much my, my full plan for the Jubilee. So, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell, us, tell us about the show. Um, so it's with my comedy partner who is also called Kat. So we're Kat and Kat. And the show's called That the makes Horn. life easier. It does. It was so funny because when we um we met on Facebook, which is such a random way to meet someone, and we basically both noticed that we have pretty much the same name. So I'm Katarina Robinson and she's Kat Ronson. Oh, KR, like, both KRs. Yeah, we were like, that's a sign. Oh, Kat Rose. Kat <laughs> Rose. 
yeah so we were like oh we have to get together and do something and then we just started making sketches and then the show's called the whoring 20s so roaring but whoring um, and it's all about being a whore in your 20s pretty much <laughs> and approaching that's what it 30. says on the tin yeah and um just different things that we've gone through kind of as like women in comedy um things about like approaching our 30s and how we sort of like feel about that um and yeah it's just, it's pretty much a, a full-on sketch show um majority of it and then a bit of stand-up like thrown in but it's majority of it is sketch so it's nice that you've been able to find i mean i know it's weird for meeting people on facebook but it's nice that you've been able to find someone not only with the same initials, but with the same kind of com- comedic sensibilities and stuff. And I, I, I think collaboration, I love collaboration. Obviously, we do this podcast together with another person. Um, I guess in comedy as well, that's really interesting. Do you, do you guys always, is there disagreements ever? Do you have like, do you butt heads on things or is it all quite, you know, nice? A little, and- a little bit. I mean, to be honest, we have, we always have the same ideas on things, but we always say like, I'm more of the like business mind out of the two of us. Okay. So I, I kind you do of admin. take, I do the admin <laughs> sort of take the reins a little bit. Um, but we'd like such different personalities. Like we basically call ourselves, so I'm the Southern cat and she's the Northern cat. So she's got a proper strong Northern accent. I'm from the South. So we kind of have different different personalities but we work just very well together it's like a comedy team so yeah it's good fun that, that is not i mean it's 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 um it's a stroke of luck really isn't it like you found each other that way through facebook but then to as charles says to be kind of on the same wavelength i think it's i don't know i think you need a lot of luck during the creative industry sometimes and it, it just you know i guess it was almost meant to be that you guys are meant to meet and then turns out you're sort of on the same page yeah no it was it was very lucky I mean at first it was interesting because when we both sort of we we like chatted on Facebook we met up and then we kind of got the vibe that we both felt like very different people like how we are as people so we were like kept talking and then we kept seeing each other at like gigs and things like that and then we were like oh well maybe we should like make some sketches together and just see how it goes and then we started making sketches and it just felt so like natural it didn't even feel like we were working as such it was just very improvised you know bouncing ideas back and forth and then we kind of just kept going from there um and yeah that's pretty pretty much where we're at now can i I ask about the meeting up because i found when i've met people that i've become friends with on the internet it's always a bit weird can be quite awkward we i mean we had it's quite a funny story how we met so she she was basically doing a poetry night one of these like spoken words mm-hmm. nights and was like oh would you want to come watch me perform and then we can chat afterwards and I was like okay that's quite a nice sort of way of meeting each other so okay cool so I got to this poetry night and there's me thinking she was going to perform some poem of like I don't know like I've heard spoken word nights before and they're always quite dramatic and quite like intense but she, she was performing this poem about her clit which is <laughs> and, and I was watching it and I found it so funny I was like yeah she's my type of woman okay <laughs> and then after that it just kind of yeah the ice had broken yeah just chatting yeah. from there but that's quite that's quite there. bold on her part because like it could have been another scenario where she does that poem looks back in the audience mm. and your chair is just empty <laughs> yeah. like run <laughs> right not for me at all um but i think it's not i think collaborations are important i obviously do um comedy of my mate dave we do football comedy and um 
unlike you guys, uh, neither of us are the admin person. So that's that's where our oh, problems man, come that's, from. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. But it is, again, it is... Um, it is just a bit. It was just a stroke of luck, really. Us, we met through my wife, who was performing with him doing Shakespeare in the Park, and we just got chatting afterwards. And again, like you, sort of felt like, oh, we're on the same wavelength here, and we both want to do some sort of like online content and stuff. So it just sort of burgeoned from that. But I don't know. I think life sometimes sort of throws you into these random little situations and give like opens a little door for you, and gives you a little opportunity, and sort of pushes you through. And it's like you could try this. This might this might work. And I guess yeah. sometimes you have to be the sort of person that's open to sort of trying it yeah definitely and like I do my own sort of like sketches and things on my own but sometimes it's nice just collaborating with someone mm. else like as much as I do enjoy sitting in my room making TikToks, <laughs> um, it's nice to be out and like bouncing ideas with someone so I'm grateful for having someone that you know is on my wavelength and gets that so yeah <laughs> so g- going back to your youth were you you went to Italia Conti right Yes, I did. So yeah, yeah, so was so acting and performing was that always something you wanted to do from a young age? Yeah, no, I always wanted to act, always wanted to perform, um, and then kind of comedy and stand up and all of that sort of came way later um, down my career. <laughs> but um, yeah, acting and performing, like I've always wanted to do that. So um, I went to drama school, I went to National Youth Theatre as well. I trained there for a little bit, um, and then. Yeah, I kind of just kept going with it, really. How did how did stand up come around? Well, I mean, I'd left drama school and I'd kind of expected that I'm going to leave drama school, I'm going to get an agent, I'm going to suddenly be in some Netflix show, and it's going to be woo, <laughs> like great. Um, but it just it just didn't happen. Um, I left. I did get an agent, which I was really happy about, but I was auditioning very far and few, couple of commercials here and there like things that I wasn't that passionate about like I want to be auditioning for like tv shows and you know film and things like that um and then I kind of just thought to myself okay well how what do I want from acting like what's the one thing I want to be in and I thought oh I really want to be in like a comedy show I'm good at comedy and so I thought well maybe if I try stand up it will just lead me into that and I can be more a comedy actor slash comedian so yeah, that's pretty much how I got into stand-up. I just, well, I did a beginner's open mic um, and it went well. <laughs> and then I just kind of kept going from there really. Um, so yeah, it was more it was more like the end goal is to, you know, get like a comedy acting role. That's exactly what my wife did. She's um, mm. also an actor and then wanted to get into more comedy roles. So she did a stand-up comedy course, uh, Logan Murray's course, the... Um, used to be called the Amuse, I think it was the Amuse News course, um, oh. which is what same one I did. So she met me on that course. Um, so it was definitely worth doing, I would say, on her part. Well, because she met you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she met you. No, com- <laughs> the no work, comedy, though. The work hasn't really, yeah. But you know what? Um, no, so same, same sort of idea, really. I think, And I think it's important to, if you sort of deep down know like something you're good at or, or you want to do, you can feel it in your gut sometimes, can't you? That you think I need to follow mm. this and give this and give this a go. And there's always, I mean, I'm I came to comedy really quite late. I was 28 when I did my first gig, so really a lot later than a lot of other comedians. Um, but sometimes, and, and I didn't really have any sort of plans for it. I just sort of like did it and sort of like would see what would happen. But I think again, going back to what I said earlier, you need to be someone that like <laughs> this is going to sound really cheesy. But it's almost like sort of following your heart a little bit. Like you, your heart and your mm. gut will tell you quite often, like you should try this or you want to do this you want to do this 
And I think if you are the sort of person that's like a yes person, okay, I'll try it. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to do, you know, but it might open doors to other things. And I think it's just, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently, like the sort of the idea of sort of the yes and sort of approach to life and just sort of trying things, but not necessarily being too hung up on the destination or what it's going to, where it's going to end up, but more like just seeing where things go, because this is a mad industry. This is a really difficult industry, but if you're sort mm. of open-minded and yes, and then things will happen, even if it's not necessarily what you wanted or thought would happen. Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel like a lot of it has been like confidence building for me as well. Like when I was at drama school, obviously I, I was confident enough to perform and act, but I didn't really know what I wanted. I didn't really know what I was like, what's my niche, what's, what's my, like my thing. But I feel like through doing stand up and doing sketches, I figured out, okay, this is, this is like who I am. And this is the sort of stuff I find funny. But I feel like that's taken such a long time for me to figure out because you're just growing as a person and like I don't know in your 20s you don't you don't know who you are and so like I feel like I do now but I mean it's taken me like a really long time to sort of you know kind of figure out things so if anything it's definitely been like good confidence building and you know helped me find myself a bit more so yeah 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 it's interesting because it's come up on the pod before with actors and performers they go to drama school and they're not really kind of um they're not schooled in in what it's like to feel it's like that immediate kind of rejection you know you cut you come out like you said come out thinking i'm gonna get i'm gonna get an agent i'm gonna get lots of castings i'm gonna be in this that and the other um but that's not always the case and there doesn't seem Mm. to be any kind of yeah any um yeah like showcasing that to the students that this actually is not gonna be that easy i don't know if you had that experience that they were a bit more kind of um, honest about those kind of things because it feels like it, it's not sometimes it's unsaid mm. that you know yeah. it's going to be hard. I think it, I mean they were quite honest but at the same time I went to drama school so young I mean I went when I was 18 did a three-year course and I just felt it was very much at that time it was very much kind of geared around like theatre training and being a thespian and I'm an actor. Like it was very much like that. And I feel like if I was to go to drama school now, like as, as 29, I feel like people, it would be a bit more honest. And mm. I think just because of how the world's changed as well, I think there would be a bit more honesty and not so much like, you know, the, the typical like actor training. I think it would be a bit more real, I, I guess. So Was yeah. that the kind of stuff you were doing then proper like? Shakespeare and and kind yeah. of like traditional kind of plays and stuff yeah tr- like mainly yeah Shakespeare to just yeah um I was we well we did do um tv tv acting but I mean again it was like one class a week it wasn't mm. like super super intense and realistically like the stuff that most people want to be cast in is tv shows and it's don't get me wrong I'd love to be in like a big theater show as well but I think you know it's quite important to sort of you know have tv training and to know like that it's very different from theater like it's a completely different skill it seems crazy that you wouldn't do more of that kind of stuff like you say once a week or whatever it is like it seems funny because that is such a big part of acting you know lots of actors i mean there are obviously lots of actors stick to doing theater work but it is you know there's all sorts of different aspects to acting um Mm. it's a shame that that's not encouraged more like that kind of stuff it's almost like it feels sometimes it's a bit kind of 
um, looked down upon in some way. You know, it's not proper acting because it's not. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the way I've become more confident on camera is just through doing self tapes and filming myself in my room and making sketches. Like that's the way I've learned about camera and like angles but not so much from from drama school more so from just actually trying it out myself and seeing okay I like how to set up a camera how to you know do your lighting and like a backdrop and things like that so I've kind of learned it for myself more so than from drama school mm. yeah have you, mm. not, have you I was thinking about this the other day actually about um what comedians or I guess any performers have to the skills you have to have now when I started doing comedy, it was literally like, go and do open mics, <laughs> do more open mics, be shit, be less shit, get slightly <laughs> better, try and get some open spots on pro bills. Be shit again. Thing. Be shit again. <laughs> Actually, it's something I was very good at doing. Um, and then try and impress promoters, etc. Start traveling around the country, do all that. Now, if you want to be a comedian, you have to be doing all that. You have to also have an incredible editing skills. You probably have to have a, an Adobe subscription you have to have a decent ring light a decent camera decent setup you have to have mm. knowledge as you say of angles and uh multi-camera shoots all that you have to do so much more now to get mm. noticed it's absolutely mad like i just and, and it probably is actually creating a whole generation of incredibly skilled and talented people but you do i think when i started comedy could be a hobby that you could sort of see where it went but now you you, you almost have to sort of be all in from the start yeah, definitely. And like, even when I audition for commercials, they'll say stuff like, oh, we want you to send the file in two different versions, one smaller, one bigger, yeah. we transfer it, make sure it's labelled correctly. Yeah. Like it's so many, you know, like steps just to send, a com bearing in mind, like if you get cast in the commercial, like you're only going to be in it for like two seconds, but they make <laughs> you go through all of these steps. And it's like you have to be so like technical savvy now instead of just being a performer, you have to also be good like technically as well. So it's a lot. It's a lot of skills, I think. I think that about self tapes because so my wife and I get self tapes coming and stuff, and um, often they ask a couple real real couples and stuff. So we get quite a lot mm. of those. We got a, a toddler as well, so they ask like kids stuff. We try and do that as well. And uh, you're right, some of it is so technical, and you'll read the script. Sometimes you'll get a breakdown. Well, they'll they'll be like, just read this line to camera, mid shot, great. Or so, sometimes, if you're lucky, you get a little video from the director saying, "Thanks for doing this. Here's what we want. That's amazing." Other times, you'll literally just get the whole script, and they'll be like, "I'll oh, just do that." And you're like, "So you want me to do three different scenes from that probably won't even make the final edit?" And you have to basically set up a whole studio in your house to do it. And Miranda and I are lucky in that we sort of we don't mind doing that. We both work from home. We'll give it a go. But I often think there must be so many performers out there, particularly probably older performers, who don't have the skills or the technology or the know-how. I'm, I'm probably won't get these self-tapes, won't get these castings, not because of any lack of ability or drive, but because they haven't got the technical know-how that they shouldn't need. <laughs> Back in the day, you would, just go to the, you would just go to the casting, you'd walk in the room, you'd do it and you leave. You wouldn't have to think about all this sort of stuff. I, I, I know that lockdown has forced people into that situation, but... Do you think those days I, I, are done, yeah. though, you guys? I don't know. Do you think, like, I mean, and there will be still occasions where you have to go in a room, but do you think for general, like, casting stuff, that's that's it now? It's just going to be all remotely done? I think for ease, like, I mean, most auditions that I've been on recently have been self-tapes, like, for, for the initial thing is a self-tape, mm. and then they invite you in for an in-person casting. Yeah. So, and I don't mind. I don't mind doing so. I mean, it's 
good in the sense that I don't have to pay any travel and yeah. Yeah. I get to film at home. But I do miss going in because <laughs> a lot of the time it, it saves the time of me having to set up my camera and edit like that that takes up a good two hours at least like by the time you've done the takes edited it we transferred it like you know it takes up a good morning I'd say so sometimes it's almost easier to just hop on a train and yeah. you know <laughs> quickly and you feel, do it in a room and go yeah are you, are you close to town are you close to London then or um I'm well in Garden City I think I'm right. near Dave actually yeah I think isn't Dave's he in yeah. he's well in yeah yeah he is yeah I'm sure I've seen him around here. So I was like, I'm sure he's around here. <laughs> There's probably lots of people that's probably avoiding him, seeing him. Oh, I know that face. Avoid avoid that guy. Oh, he's the weirdo from Welling Garden City. Yeah, the yeah. Welling weirdo. That's Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, no, I'm not that far from London at all, though. I mean, it doesn't take very long to get in from here, like 25 minutes into... Like Fintry Park. Yeah, there's really fast. Yeah. There's fast trains, aren't there? In from Welling. I always feel like if the if you if I get a self, if I get a casting, I have to go in. I I feel it feels like a work day. I feel like oh, I'm actually mm. working today. I'm going to town. Whereas if you're doing it at home, it's normally like trying to squeeze it in between sort of like other stuff or you know, if I'm sort of looking after my daughter or whatever. But if you're going in, it's like right, I'm going into town. It feels like I I will nearly always treat myself with like a little hot chocolate on the way home or something like if, if, if I had a coffee, <laughs> um, or even if I hadn't, just like as a little work thing. But also, I do think you get you can get a vibe if you're in there with like the car the casting director and you can you can give off a vibe or get a vibe that's harder to do over a self tape. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is it? Yeah, is it, it feels like a disadvantage to be doing it. I mean, like you say, there are advantages. You don't have to, you can doing it remotely, but that actually having that contact with someone and how we connect with people. And I mean, if you want to get really deep, like energies that you give off and stuff can sometimes maybe make a difference, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, um, I think when you're in person with someone, like you said, you get, you get a vibe of someone's aura and how someone is. And I think on camera, sometimes you just don't get that. But then also, if it is just for a, like a commercial where you're only going to be in it for two seconds, yeah. I don't think they really give a fuck about your aura. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to see you do the part. So yeah, I yeah. feel like it's not so much. But maybe, I don't know, maybe for a film or for like yeah. something a bit bigger, they would want to see you in person first because it is a bit more about that maybe, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I mean, advert casting is normally literally what you look like. It doesn't yeah, so a lot of the time. To skills yeah and it's just if you happen to have the right look and as you say it'll be yeah literally two seconds so uh yeah i think you're, you're probably right but i do know i've got the hot chocolate but i do know i do know i've do have a, an, an actor friend that does casting still like remotely and these are for like tv roles and stuff so i think yeah i always find it it just seems like a weird concept but like i say that's probably just the way it's kind of going it makes it easier for everybody i suppose that, you know, um, they can just send yeah. files to the director who's also at home and not having to travel into a into London. So yeah, I, I guess maybe that's just yeah the way it is. But um, I've got mm. a question, if if that's okay, because I was um, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm having one of the I was having one of these mornings where I was sort of tailspinning a little bit about sort of like life in general. Um, it's a Thursday, it's my tailspin day. You know, that's <laughs> that's just what happens. Um, <laughs> you've got over the hump. But, I've got over it's the, the hump. Now I'm just spinning out of control on a Thursday. Um, but because it's funny you're talking about your show and like um sort of sort of being in your twenties but approaching thirties and and obviously the feelings that that kind of brings up and stuff. I turned thirty eight this week, so I'm having the same thing, but with approaching forty. Oh. And mm. I remember the sort of get 
approaching 30s and stuff and I'd just started doing comedy so I maybe wasn't quite in the mindset of like right where am I with this I was just enjoying it and see what was ha- what happening now that 40s looming I'm a bit more like oh fuck what am I doing like what have I done where am I heading what have I achieved all this kind of stuff all, all the comparisons to other people and stuff and I was just wondering like why wh- whether you guys feel the same about that whether you have the same sort of anxieties around these these arbitrary numbers essentially that we can't stop happening and why is it that these numbers loom so big over us what, what why is the idea of getting to 40 and essentially getting to then 41 42 is exactly the same makes me feel so anxious and frustrated fearful of my life and career and i, I don't know I, do, do you get the same cat is that something you share as well and, and mm. why is it a thing no definitely I mean I think for myself I do put a lot of like pressure on myself as well to like like I have this passion planner (laughs) at home where you can kind of map out your goals and where you see yourself in 10 years and things like that and so I do it really detailed to the point where I'm like okay this is exactly where I see myself going and then when I look back at it at the end of the year and I'm like oh I didn't didn't manage to do that didn't do that didn't do this and like (laughs) you know you do feel a bit like need to be doing these things and you do put so much pressure on yourself and I think also because like with TikTok and putting sketches and things like that um me and Kat actually put a sketch up last week it did really well and we got like lots of views and things like that but then a lot of the comments were like oh we're not listening to these two grannies (laughs) these two old ladies (laughs) bearing in mind we're not even that old oh my god that makes me feel so old and it's like but people see it as like I think particularly with women once you're sort of hitting that 30s point it's like oh is she a bit like I don't know like she's getting older and I think also as well like as you get older your casting bracket does change like it does what what you're sort of like seen in so I guess that's a fear of mine as well and also it's like does my comedy then change as well as I get older like do I want to be talking about you know, dick appointments and getting laid when I'm like, but I don't know, like, is that, does that work? Cause I'm getting older. Like, is that something you do more in your twenties than you would do in your thirties? So there's a lot of things I think like that, um, where you think, okay, does, do I have to now change? Cause I'm getting older. Like, does my work have to change when it doesn't, like, it doesn't have to, but you do start kind of going over these things, I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. There, there's a, I remember because I joined, I got an agent really late and joined Spotlight really late. But I had to tick the, I think I'd just turned 35 and the box was like 35 to 50 or something. And I was like, oh, are you in the next <laughs> category? It made me feel so <laughs> old. I was like, and, I, and my playing age was like 35 to 45. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm officially old. And I, and I, and I guess like we have to embrace that, I guess. We can't, we can't. I don't have the money to get, you know, plastic surgery. So I can't change that. Not, <laughs> not, that, I, not that I would probably do um, So I guess you have to embrace it. But though, it's funny you say about the, the TikTok thing, because there is a, um, there's definitely a trend on TikToks of, because there's, there's, there's so many, what I like about TikTok is so many different communities and corners and sides of TikTok and stuff. And you can, mm. you can sort of fall into um, these really, what look like supportive communities and of people that really look like sort of stuff. <laughs> they look like they're supportive communities. Well, because I have get in there. Into them. No, but like, there's it's, it's a nicheness. I think if you find a niche, people will sort of like 
um, come together. But there's one of like uh, over 35 TikTok or over, over 30 TikTok. And there's a, there's one where there's like a, a, a young, the, the, the audio is like a young person going, right, anyone, something like anyone in, in veteran TikTok who was born uh, before 1994 or something. And then the reaction people going, oh, 1986 or whatever, or 1984 in my case. So it's definitely like a trope, isn't it? Or a trend of like people people who younger people looking at older people who really are not that old but then to be fair they're gonna become that old at some point <laughs> so exactly they're, they're yeah, gonna yeah. get to that point and then we, I, maybe it's just one of the circles of life and then younger people for them will be doing the same thing but mm, i don't know it's exactly. just one of those things and i think because as well like younger people as well i mean when i was 20 you know 19 or whatever I didn't really have access to all these things. Like, mm. I mean, TikTok wasn't really a thing. Like, even content creation, like making sketches and things like that, I don't really feel was much of a thing. Yeah. It was, there was more of a, a traditional way of like this, like with stand up, like you gig, you do Edinburgh, you love, like, you know, whereas now there's so many different routes. And I feel like if maybe I had access to that when I was maybe a bit younger, maybe I'd be a bit more successful by now. I don't know. Like, you see kind of, think a lot of younger people becoming successful very quickly but also because there's more access to things and I guess it's and, and it's a conf, it's a confidence thing as well like I see so many people who are a lot younger than me that have so much confidence and I'm like wow when I was 18 I definitely didn't have that at all yeah. but maybe because there's more roots maybe it gives you more confidence I don't know yeah hmm yeah, it is interesting. I'm just <clears> going to put, when I was 18, 19, <laughs> <laughs> we only just got mobile phones, I think. There were no TVs. <laughs> it was all, everything was, was in all black and white. It was black and white. It was black and white. Um, yeah, we only just got mobile phones, I think. God, shit. Yeah. I got my, my, um, my first mobile, I got a 15. So I'm, I'm not far behind you, Charles. I think my, yeah, I had some brick thing that was, oh, God, Christ, I don't even, Fer, I think it was made by Ferguson. <laughs> Or Alex, my, yeah, no, it was a, or Philip Savvy. Anyway, it was really shit. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we didn't have any of those things. And I, I mean, I my first kind of love was playing music and being a band and stuff. And it was like you were saying earlier, Jim, like you just had to go out and gig and hope that an A and R person would turn up. Whereas now you can, you know, you can record something at home on Logic and you can put it on Spotify and you're kind of away. So content, but at like the same access, time, you know, getting content out there is much easier. But there's also the competition's much more. And the pressures. I've yeah. seen TikToks from from music TikTok, um, another community I haven't yet got into. Um, You're too old, people babe. saying from. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, from musicians saying like, complaining, saying, "Well, all I want to do is release my music, but actually, my management are telling me I have to release a, a 15 second version, a 30 mm. second version. I have to keep pumping these out. I have to edit these every day, and I'm having to do things. Actually, it's taking me away from the craft of." Just making my music and putting it out there and perform, and again, it's another world where you have to have to be so many more strings to your bow. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine who's an A and R. I was talking to my friend who's an A and R man, and he said um, I, there was an album that we both wanted to listen to, and, it, and I said, "Oh, they keep releasing like they've released about four singles." So I thought it was an EP. And he said, "Oh no, that's called the Waterfall release." So like, what they do is to get so they release they pretty much release every song as a single, and then when the album launches. They're already on there, so they can add all the download numbers to it, which is just, cool. I was like, oh, fucking hell, what's the point of that? Just put the album out, for Christ's sake. 
mm. you know anyway but it's just different like i say it's still about numbers and data isn't it at the end of the day mm. <laughs> definitely yeah yeah it's a very different uh different way of doing things but okay you're right cat about kind of the access people have to stuff now and, and I, 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 there's definitely a debate about whether some young people are ready for that kind of attention i guess or success and 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 i, I definitely wouldn't have been at 18 19 mm. i'm not even sure i am now at 38 uh but it's really difficult to look back and be like well if only i had this if only i could do this and i guess it comes back to a com- kind of comparison thing which is really hard as a performer not to do look at other people and how they're doing but i guess you have to come back to like what your truth is and your truth is i didn't have that i now do so i'm now doing what i can and it's it's hard not to like beat yourself up or or feel you know, I really struggle or really try not to feel like bitter about the industry of like, okay, why isn't these things happening to me? Because I can't change the past. So I just try and focus on like, okay, I am where I am. I've, I've done what I can. As you say, I think the planning thing is a great idea. I'm planning for the next steps and I'm doing that rather than looking back and being like, why didn't I have this? Why haven't I done this? But that is a hard thing to do, I think, when you're, when you're a performer. No, definitely. And it's, kind of like what I said like a whole like growth thing as well like you know as you grow as a person you end up making better work anyway so something that you made a couple of years ago you might be like oh that was a bit shit but like as you've developed and like developed your talent like the content you start putting out there is just naturally going to be better anyway because you just now know what works like it's all about trialing and testing and seeing what lands and what doesn't so yeah I think as you develop your work just gets better anyway that's interesting i was just thinking then actually mm. just going back to the analogy of like bands and stuff and 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 also with comedy like you you know you do lots of gigs and you would work on your material and you, you improve in that way whereas i guess if you're putting out content now it's kind of already out there in the public and you know if it's not quite as you know obviously you get better so you other than sort of deleting that content it's kind of out there already isn't it so Mm. there's a that's slightly trickier kind of way of negotiating your your development I suppose in a way um I don't know what I'm getting at but just that (laughs) that idea that you you know going out and like gigging a lot and performing a lot you improve that way but when you're you know if you're a content creator you're putting stuff out straight away and it's there for the public to see and if it's not you know you might in five years time be doing your best stuff that other stuff that wasn't so good is not necessarily is already still out there um yeah true but I think like I guess with well with TikTok I feel like that's almost the point of it as well I think mm. people know that a lot of your early stuff might not be oh my headphones falling out um might not be that great but as your kind of account develops and you grow more of a following I think people just know it's gonna get better because I guess with TikTok, you're sort of just trialing out what works at first. So you might put out, I don't know, a sketch and then, I don't know, a video of you just talking and seeing what, okay, that gets a lot of views. Okay, that does well. Okay, so maybe if I combine the two together and then it just like keeps going. So I think people sort of know that your first video might not be the best thing ever so <laughs> and also I don't know this, this this shit you see on TikTok anyway like literally you can put a video up of you like cooking in your kitchen or something <laughs> yeah, and that could true, go viral so I feel like people aren't expecting it to be the most amazing I guess thing in the world yeah so. it's it's TikTok is almost like the wild west of sort of content creation that sort of anything 
I mean, literally anything goes, and there's almost no rhyme or reason to like what does well and, and what doesn't. So I think you have you almost have to like let yourself go a little bit and be like, I'm just going to put stuff out there, and what happens? happens. So, yeah. Mm. I think as I do think as well, audiences, the idea of like a comedy audience has has changed. I think, you know, it, it used to be audiences that watched like a TV show or something, and now it's like it's followers. So people are following you because they like you and they like your content, and I think they actually like the journey so if you are you've been going for five ten years and your stuff at the start was really raw and then you found your kind of way and you got better at editing and you got better at lighting and your stuff improved i think people like following that journey they like the idea that they were with you at the start and you're almost like the sort of they're real like stands you know what i mean and they and and they they are part of that journey as well that's why patron does so well because people like to be part of literally part of you yeah Yeah, it it forms Mm. a community and i i think it's and again, that's something I've been doing comedy ten years, and again, that's changed as well. Like this idea that, like, I think at the start you were just playing to rooms of people and and hoping people might like you and maybe follow you on Twitter. Now you're asking people to come on this whole content journey with you, and I think you have to almost change your mindset as to how you progress and how people come along with you. And this is literally something I've thought about in the last couple of weeks <laughs> it's taken me 10 years to get there um <laughs> of how do i actually refocus on my content and my following what they want and progressive that i think i might even start doing what did you call it earlier that your your prediction thing oh a passion planner passion i might start doing something like a that passion yeah planner. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah so, i find it quite therapeutic yeah so <laughs> is it is it how's it set up is it in you said it was like sort of, you might have like a 10 year plan but is it like year by year or is it month by month what how's it how's it work so it's like a standard diary mm. but then at the front of it you have like a mind map of your like you put like a goal in the middle so you're like, okay what's my like goal for the year so i might put okay i want to be in a comedy tv series and then you kind of map out how you're going to get to that so it's like, okay if i want to do that Maybe I'll do more gigs or maybe I'll do my own show. That might lead me to that. Oh, maybe I'll write um, my own show. That might. Yeah. So it's like you kind of map out the steps to get to that end goal. And I think it's good because it sort of breaks it up for you instead of Mm. just thinking of it as a big goal. Like, oh, I really want to be on a comedy show. But it's like, okay, but how am I going to do that, though? Because you know, the likelihood of that just being gifted to me on a plate by my agent <laughs> is sometimes not very likely. So it's like, okay, well, what can I do to get to that? So you sort of break it down into like achievable steps. And then it, it and then, you know, I don't know, it just makes you feel a bit more like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing stuff towards that goal. So I think well, it's a good thing. Well, there's a word yeah. that people use a lot, was obviously manifesting, but I suppose you are kind of, yeah. you are, you're manifesting that big thing and then you're just actually pragmatically trying to logistically find a way to get there through yeah yeah yeah. through doing like other steps and you know those steps might take you to somewhere else anyway but I mean at least you're still doing those things towards the one thing that you want so I think it's a good thing yeah Yeah. making things more manageable I guess because as you say like that end goal probably might can seem quite overwhelming but Mm. The way to progress in anything is, is is baby steps, is little steps. And then I guess if you can chart that, then it maybe gives you confidence to feel like you are progressing and going in the right direction or a direction. Um, but nothing happens overnight. 
you know, nothing happens. No, as you say, it's handed to you on a plate. You you have to everything takes in, steps to get there. Yeah, no, I agree, definitely. It's interesting you were saying earlier that sometimes you look back and you're you might be like annoyed with yourself or upset you haven't reached a certain goal, but at the same time, do you look back and sometimes think, Oh, actually, you know, it's quite nice to look back and think, Wow, look how far I've come. Yeah, definitely. And then also sometimes I do look back at things that I wanted at that time. And now that's actually changed where I think, oh, actually, I'm so glad I didn't do mm. that. Or, oh, that actually wasn't the right thing for me. But at the time it was like, oh, that's the be all and end all. I really want that. <laughs> but like now it's obviously changed. So I think you, yeah, it was like, what was it? I went for, this was a while ago. I had an audition to be Betty Boot at Universal Studios. Oh, right. <laughs> um, this was years ago. And at the time I really wanted it. I was like, oh, like, that'd be an amazing contract. I can be Betty B. <laughs> and then I like got to the final stages and everything. And I was like, oh, right, this is amazing. And then I ended up not getting the role and I was really upset about it. But then after a year had passed, I was like, God, that would have been bloody awful being Betty Boop for like 12 like a whole year of doing that voice fuck like so <laughs> <laughs> it kind of worked out that I didn't get it but at the time I was like oh my god this is the most amazing thing ever so yeah <laughs> yeah I guess things always sort of I thought say things happen for a reason I, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily believe that entirely but I, I do think things happen that take you to a place and then you are there and then you sort of you progress from there so i guess maybe not things happen for a reason but things happen i just I'll leave it at that things happen mm. um but it's okay isn't it to like change change your mind but i think it's 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 probably really uh draining and overwhelming to this one plan you're working 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 towards it and then if you don't get it it's, it's devastating or if you do it's probably really overwhelming but i think it's it's okay to have plans and then change them or change your mind or feel like you want to do something that's the beauty of being a human being being a creative human being you can do that and i just i don't know i think sometimes it's important to remind ourselves sometimes that thing you wanted a as you said might not might turn out to actually be a, a nightmare job or b it's okay to not want it a year later you can you'd have to be yeah up. yeah and kind of like what you said about the whole I don't necessarily believe the whole everything happens for a reason because I've been for auditions where I'm like, yeah, I should have gone that. <laughs> <laughs> like that didn't happen for a reason. But like at the same time, you figure out other things. You figure out other things that you enjoy and other things that you want. And then it's a weird thing. I don't know. It's a weird thing like rejection as well. Like at the time it upsets you and sometimes it, it gets to you. But then it's this weird thing of like, you just pick yourself up and keep going if it's something that you really want and I don't know it's a, a weird thing sometimes yeah how, yeah I was going to ask you how do you, yeah. are you do you find it difficult sometimes those moments of rejection because I think I mean we, I, we, all, we all do I mean it's not yeah. like you know it's not universally people yeah. don't like being rejected but it's how I guess it's like you say how you move forward with it but yeah is it difficult sometimes yeah definitely I mean it depends I think it depends what what it is that I'm being rejected for like if it's something that I really you know really want and I've put so much time into it and thought into it then it is really hard and you do get those moments of like oh should I just like pack this all in should I just not bother doing this anymore but then it's this weird thing that like happens where I'll have a little day a day or two to just kind of think about things and gather my thoughts and then I'm like oh but 
I've got a show coming up oh but I've also got a gig next week and oh I'm doing this and it's like well I I can't give up because I've still got things booked and in the diary so you just sort of keep going and then other things come up and then other things come up and you you just have to keep going because they're still those are still valid things that you want to do so it's yeah you end up just keep going anyway yeah I think Mm. we said this before on the podcast like persistence and resilience I think is something that nearly all performers have and you maybe don't even realize you have it but by by sheer virtue of just keeping going you do and you are resilient I think it's a really really important quality it's a a core quality I think of 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 humans essentially certainly of creators and performers I think it's a really I have it and I don't it took me till recently to realize that I do have that and I think it's a really worthy quality and I think it's yeah I respect anyone that does what we do because you have to be resilient but going back to the rejection things and it's really almost quite hard to maybe explain to anyone that isn't in this industry why when you get so much rejection why you do keep going and pick yourself up again and do the next self-tape or do the next casting or do the next gig or whatever and why you keep doing it um and the big rejections are hard, obviously. Like you get close to the job you really want, or or you have a really shit gig. But I also find like the micro rejections really difficult. So like, if you're doing a bit in a gig and like you really like it and it doesn't land at all, you know, or if you have a you have an okay gig and someone comes up to you afterwards and says, "You look like you really enjoyed that." I think, oh, fuck. well, they, well obviously <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> that was really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're really enjoying yourself up there. Um, there's or you're like i don't know you're like a um a networking event and other people are getting really praised for their work and then someone's like you're right jim there's like i think if you're a performer you're very um or i certainly am very like self-aware and like self-reflective and like reflective how other people and you can pick up on so many rejections even if intentional so that i find those hard i don't know if that's something you guys struggle with as well but I, I, those are it's almost like interpretive things and they might not even be there but i find those bits hard about the industry yeah micro rejections are horrible because you don't they're often things you think about afterwards you don't think about it at the time and then when you do like the post match analysis of that conversation or that experience then you start to dwell on those ones I think actually they yeah it's, it's they're difficult to take sometimes but yeah I totally agree with you. Um yeah no definitely especially when you're kind of doing something that day as well like I don't know you're on your way to work and you're having a really great day and then you get that email on your phone saying unfortunately it didn't go your way mm. you know but but keep in touch <laughs> like, yeah. like you kind of it, it annoys you but then because you're busy doing other stuff it's fine but it's more for me when I get back home and I'm like reflecting on my day I'm like oh actually (laughs) I feel quite upset about that so it's more when you're I think sat at home and like reflecting that it kind of gets to you a little bit yeah completely I was gonna okay sorry go Jim I was gonna say like you're absolutely right it's like if you're if there's enough distractions you can like fill your life with enough distractions you can sort of get get by almost like be blind to it or just like yeah but you're right it's it's the moments when you're on your own and it's really hard not to let that overtake things. Like I, I'm trying to get a new agent at the moment because my agent closed her agency in February because of COVID, which is a shame. And she, she was a brilliant agent. And I really, really liked her. Um, we were on the same page, which is, it was great. 
Um, so I've been sending out emails and stuff. And I was on holiday last week or week before last. And I got, I shouldn't have looked at my emails, but I got an email back from one agent on the penultimate day saying, can't take anyone on at the moment, et cetera, et cetera, basically objection. And like, it was just the worst timing. I should have just waited till I got home from holiday because that just like ruined my last day of the holiday completely because I was just thinking about mm. that and like, oh, I'm rubbish. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? And and it's just one of those things. Like, that's just part of the game. But yeah, it, that and, and also on holiday, you do have a lot of spare time because I was literally doing nothing every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, I, I needed to almost, I should have actually been practice self-care there and not uh, look, just looked at my work emails until... I got back, but it's difficult not to though. It's a problem when you when you've got a phone in your hand all the time. It's uh, difficult not to mm. to dive into those things. I was going to ask you again about you said like your first kind of comedy or live performance was an open mic. Thing. Yeah, T- tell me about that because I'm always intrigued how because obviously you said it went well, and I think a lot of successful comedians seem to say that that first that first gig was, and I don't know if that's again it's it's pulling you in, isn't it? It's it's um, and and maybe you're always chasing that like that feeling of that first gig again. That fuzzy feeling, yeah. yeah like, um, um, yeah. Tell me about that because I'm really always intrigued about the first ones, how how it went, and what kind of material were you doing then? Well, I did my first gig um, at Comedy Virgins, which was at um, the Cavendish Arms. Um, really nice, really nice night. And I think the only reason it appealed to me was because I kind of saw that it's for beginners new a lot of newbies do it um people who've never done stand-up before so I was like okay that's going to be a nice ease in it's not just some random pub somewhere. Mm. <laughs> so I was just like okay this sounds good um and I went in more with like similar content that I do now to be honest I went in more with the dating stories mm. and kind of like sex and relationships um I wore like PVC leggings and heels <laughs> I just went I just went all out I it. like even if 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 not you know if people don't enjoy it and don't like it I never have to do this ever again it's fine yeah. um, and it was nice it was just a really like supportive crowd and you do get quite a buzzy feeling I guess like doing your own your own work as well like this is my own thing like my like my own stuff that I've written and you feel I guess a sense of like oh, I'm actually really proud. I'm really proud of this. Like, this is something that I've, you know, done on my own, my own content. People are laughing. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. And I think that's why I kept going with it because it was it was very supportive. People liked what I was doing. And I was like, okay, maybe there's there's something in this. Maybe I can take this a bit further if I work on it. So, yeah, it was, it was a good experience, definitely. Was it like a feeling of like, because I think people maybe who aren't in in the comedy industry look at it and think oh my god that's like it's so difficult to do like it's it's really glamorous but then if you go and do your first night and you make people people laugh there's like a oh I can do this moment I think that's a really empowering sort of feeling to have I think so yeah definitely you feel and it's different it was interesting because I thought it would be almost similar to just acting like on stage I thought oh it's probably just but it's so it's completely different to like because you're you're being you but also like like how I do my my stand-up is like it's like an exaggerated version of myself so it's not necessarily me it's me like on a night out with the girls and I've had a couple of drinks like that's more what I do in my stand-up but I thought 
oh, it's going to be similar to just acting and playing a role or like, oh, it's just going to be like doing a monologue on stage, but it's just so different. Um, so it's almost like kind of transitioning from that to more a stand-up style rather than a, oh, I'm an actor. So I guess that was quite difficult about it, I think. Yeah, and you find your way, don't you? You sort of find what works for you and um, what you enjoy about your performances and, and you sort of find your voice, if, I, if I'm being sort of very theatrical about it. Um, it's interesting you say about wearing the PVC leggings and stuff, because again, this is something... That's that really you've tried, Jim. Recently. I tried it, didn't... It didn't <laughs> yeah. The heels were just too uncomfortable. It just didn't... Yeah, I tried. I thought I'd give it a go. Because um, you do actually, as a, as a stand-up on stage image is actually really important and i for years i just would like wear a t-shirt and jeans and like didn't really think about it and then recently i've been trying to sort of dress i mean i haven't i really haven't upped my game massively but i'll, I'll put on like maybe a check shirt or something i bought myself some like <laughs> i've put on a gig really shirt pushing the boat um, out i've bought i've got this one check shirt i've actually got two i got a clean <laughs> I, I wore a clean t-shirt the other night for a gig <laughs> i've bought myself some like colorful new balance trainers which i really like um <laughs> Because, because in my eyes, that projects a bit of confidence on stage. Like if I'm wearing colourful stuff, like I'm, I'm someone that's confident. And, and, and I think if you can appear as confident in the first few seconds on stage, then that that translates to the audience and they think, oh, I'm going to be okay with, with this guy. But I think mm. as well, and it's probably more, I, I, mean, I mean, you know, tell me, but like more prevalent for sort of female acts. So you probably are having to think about the image you do on stage as well, because maybe you're putting out a certain persona or image that you want people to sort of buy into. And actually aesthetically that comes into it as well as well as material yeah I agree like it's all part of the act at the end of the day like from what you're wearing to what you're saying and it's interesting because when I did first when I did start stand up and I did kind of go in with the like <laughs> PVC leggings and heels and things like that I feel like other stand watching obviously other stand-ups and doing other gigs after that and I you know a lot of people weren't dressing up for their sets both men and women were wearing just jeans and a t-shirt and I thought oh maybe I'm doing something wrong maybe I should be dressing down and kind of fitting in with that sort of like aesthetic like is that taking away from me being funny like dressing up and things like that but now as as time has gone past a lot of people are sort of adopting that anyway the whole like dressing up for their set and things like that so but before I used to think oh maybe I shouldn't be doing that like should I be dressing down should I make it just about what I'm saying rather than I guess how I look but I feel like it adds to it and it was giving me confidence anyway like if I did if I did perform just in a hoodie and jeans and mm. trainers I don't know I just wouldn't I'd feel like I'm going to the gym or something like <laughs> it wouldn't feel like I'm about to do a performance so I think it's it helps me um to be more confident as well also I was thinking if you're sort of performing as an exaggerated version of yourself then obviously you're going to exaggerate your 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 image and oh. everything isn't you so if it's a sort of characterization of you um mm. then, then then i think it makes sense to 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 put on you know put on a a kind of costume or a uniform or you know really play up on that a little bit yeah exactly it was just quite funny because like my uh, like early gigs that i was doing a lot of the time i would turn up and say oh i'm, I'm here for the gig and they'd say oh are you, are you, you're here to watch right and i was like no i'm, I'm here to perform <laughs> yeah that's me and they're like oh oh really oh, okay <laughs> like i've just dressed up okay there's <laughs> like, nothing wrong with it but um yeah it's funny now though because i see a lot of people dressing up now more for gay, like women and, and men actually as well so um 
yeah it is changing a little bit that's interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. i wonder what's brought about that kind of change then i wonder making more of an effort i don't know maybe lockdown like everyone yeah you just want to get dressed up want to get dressed up and be <laughs> out and people are maybe taking a bit more of a i don't know like I don't know, taking a bit more seriously or figuring out like does like does how I dress fit with my act or mm. what I'm doing. I don't know. So and I think it does help. Like you're creating the the full performance, mm. I guess, with with that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think so. And I think it, if it gives you confidence, then obviously do it. Like if it's gonna help you feel more confident on stage because you will give a better performance of doing that. Um which is again why I wear the colourful trainers because they just make me feel brilliant. Um but I think back in the day like stand ups would would wear suits and stuff wouldn't they like i'm talking like years ago Bob Monkhouse and stuff really yeah they sort of were more tailored i remember once as well uh mark dolan who has had a very interesting trajectory recently <laughs> it's kind of a bit gb news he oh yeah, yeah. he used yeah. to be such a nice guy and he's just gone he's drunk the kool-aid basically um but um he told me once that he would go on stage with a jacket on, um, not necessarily like suit and tie or anything, just like a jacket. And five minutes into a set, if it was going well, he would take the jacket off and like hang it on the mic stand. That was his signal to the audience that like, I'm super relaxed up here. And it would make the audience feel relaxed. Oh, this guy's taking his jacket off. He must be like, and it would make them feel better. And it was like a weird little, I mean, very clever actually, Pavlovian trigger for the audience oh, to be like, it's like when Roy Stewart took his tie off in that, <laughs> that exactly leadership like debate. That. He, he was channeling, <laughs> but I just, it's interesting because a lot of it does come into kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of behavioral, not ticks, but like behavioral studies almost. Of because audiences want to be relaxed, they want to like relax, know that you're in charge, have a good time, and not worry. Whereas sometimes. You can see acts go on stage, and I've been this act. You go on with a nervous energy, and you can feel the audience go, and then they're not sort of like ready for your material Mm -hmm. to laugh. And so there is, it's just interesting, that little thing he did. And and I guess there are probably people that study this kind of thing that can tell you if you do this little thing or act in some sort of way, it it relaxes your audience. But I think in in the same way, dressing how you want to feel confident is the same sort of thing, because audiences are probably like wow this is a confident person i'm sure they're going to be great and hopefully relax into it so just there's so many like social sciences around performing yeah. on stage. and again this is something i've learned through doing it not i i came to the industry very cold with no experience but it's, it's interesting that kind of like yeah the social sciences around performing it's so much more than just unfortunately just like the words you say yeah definitely and there was this thing about like um like if you take a sip of water or something during your set, it means you're like super. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'm going to try that one day. I'm going to try that. It's the worst sip of water ever. This is going to make everyone feel really relaxed. I'm going to do a sip of water. <laughs> but is it, oh, it gave me so much anxiety. But um, yeah, I feel like once I mastered the sip of water, yes. then it's like, yes. It's all good. <laughs> it's like they say, never like if you're nervous, never have like a piece of paper on stage if you're doing a speech or something because it's, mm. that accentuates your. If you're doing a best yes. man speech, don't hold a bit of whole cue cards, don't hold a bit of paper because like it will accentuate your, your nervousness. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but these are all things we learn aren't they it's just all things we learn mm. about what works for us what works for the audience like it's all it is kind of a game it is all this game that you kind of have to navigate through as well as then writing good material and being a good performer it's um it's a lot it's a lot to try and take on and do i think mm. Catherine, it's been so lovely to talk to you today thank you so much for your time oh thanks oh, Ka- good luck with that. oh good luck with edinburgh as well thanks yeah i'll let you know good how it goes it. It, I'm yeah sure interesting, but, uh, yeah thank you it's uh it's it's exciting it's it's exciting slash sort of nerve-wracking at the same time um but i like doing the show so that's important so at least hopefully i'll have 21 <laughs> enjoyable hours at the fringe and then the rest fringe. of it will be what it is um, yeah but yeah thank you fingers crossed it'll be okay awesome there you go thank you so much to Kat for joining us on the podcast what a fantastic person uh brilliant performer and creative and stand-up and actor and making big waves and doing big things as well so we appreciate her coming on and telling her telling us about her process and uh, lots of things really um oh and I would definitely be doing the oh what does she call it the, the I forgot the name already the planner passion oh, planner be, that's the one I was, I, was, I was thinking for some reason my head pineapple planner which is something very different um, yeah that's just just for your fruit and veg um but yeah passion planner is a great idea it, it does come up a lot on the podcast the idea of like actually planning things out so it's interesting to hear from someone as actually that that's really worked uh really worked for her and i i keep thinking about it every time it comes up so i think maybe that's something i'll i'll, I'll try and implicate myself implicate is that the right <laughs> word that's the wrong word implement that's the word yeah implicate that's a terrible terrible word um yeah i might try and do that because sounds like it's it's uh it's quite effective yeah, really useful thing to do, I think. I mean, I I don't do it either, but um, it is something that is, is useful. I know quite a few people that do that. Um, I guess it is just kind of writing down those manifestations that you're trying to make, um, yeah. which is good. I think it's important to write things down because um, I forget stuff um, yeah, all the time. So you might manifest something and you forgot that you, what you manifested. And then you might yeah. end up doing it and thought, oh, yeah, I did I want that to happen or not? <laughs> When it's happened, so <laughs> deal with it. Uh, yeah, I'm a list maker, definitely. So I think it's, um, but I have so many, they're all over the place. So I think maybe sort of like trying to make that all a bit more. Do you write them all over the walls somewhere. and stuff? <laughs> no, I was not. I'm not. Like I'm some not mad guy. What's his name? Me- Memento. Yeah, your guy um, Pierce. Yeah, tattoos of them. On my body. <laughs> uh, no, but I have notes on my phone and stuff, and I've got. I've put up a big um, whiteboard here in in my office next to me, so. To try and write stuff down on that um but it's all a bit all over the place i think just mm. trying to like categorize it or make it a bit neater probably will help me sift through it and stuff but yeah so it's something to work on absolutely yeah we're always working on ourselves aren't we constantly oh, quite yeah quite exactly exactly um so anyway thank you very much to katarina for joining us it was an absolute joy to, to talk to her uh and do uh follow her her handles in the show notes and and check out all the things she's doing um, and we really appreciate her coming on. Oh, and check out our Patreon, of course. We've got extra content with Kat, as we do with all our all our guests each week at patreon.com slash blank podcast. Yeah, she tells us about some bad gig. <laughs> exactly. The real juicy stuff. Yeah. 
that's what we want to that's what we say for our patrons mm. um so yeah and thanks to our patrons as well for their support we uh we love them loads and loads and loads we do so we do. Uh, thank you so that's it Charles. i'm gonna go and take a, an aspirin because uh this headache is not yeah going go and have away. a lie down mate i think i will go and have a lie down um yeah i've earned it i think you have and like the queen won't mind if you're having a rest she no she won't she won't mind at all she i think it's i think it's very much something she encourages yeah especially on her jubilee day is that today well i don't know if it's today but it's the jubilee weekend we're recording this uh, on isn't it so oh yeah because oh, of course you're it's um uh uh bank holiday oh my god i can't get the word out it's a bank holiday yeah on a thursday which feels wrong yeah um, but i just don't really do bank holidays anyway because of being freelance well he's just working aren't we i mean i'm working register yeah this is working this is working we're just working now yeah exactly yeah anyway right i'm going for a lie down yeah thanks very much mate good to see you see you next week yes for another podcast indeed until then take care everyone see you again soon bye Box Media Podcast.